This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Our first speaker tonight is Sabha Nazidiya, and I'm sure I'm doing a bad job with that. I actually practiced it, and I apologize. A second-year master's of public policy student here at the Goldman School. Adia has received fellowships and training from the Harvard Project for Asian and International Relations, the University of Virginia Center for Politics, and INSEAD Inter, uh, School of Business on Global Leadership, uh, International Relations, and National Security. In 2013, she ac- accompanied the U.S. Ambassador to, to Bangladesh, Daniel Mazina, to Washington, D.C. as an advisor on U.S.-Bangladesh relationships, and on the global war on terrorism. She's worked as a consultant for Google in Bangladesh on issues of connectivity, net neutrality, and cybersecurity. This is somebody we all need to know, given the complexities of the web these days and the problems of cybersecurity. In fact, you could help the president. You could help him with security issues. Cybersecurity issues. Her research on cyber harassment has been cited by the Ministry of Information, Communication, Technology in Bangladesh, and in turn placed her on the steering committee for developing the National Youth Policy 2015 with the Ministry of Youth and Sports in Bangladesh. At the Goldman School, she applies training in economics and policy analysis to the intersection of technology and international development really important area. She currently writes regularly for the Huffington Post. Our students are so amazing. I mean, that's just extraordinary. And is deeply interested in understanding the interdisciplinary approach to the political and policy landscape in the United States, especially with an emphasis upon international security and international relations. Please welcome her to the podium. And I'm going to start by asking you, how do I say your name correctly? Because I'm very embarrassed. Sabhanas. Sabhanas. Okay. It's a Thank hard you. Name. It's a hard. No, I'm not very talented. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Dean Brady. <clears throat> wow. Um, so I'm going to start with the story. Four months ago, I was walking home uh, from Trader Joe's in downtown Oakland when I was stopped by a tall, decent-looking white man. Uh, and he started yelling at me. He said, you, brown, blank, uh, go back to your wretched country. I was frightened, shocked, and I ran away before it got more violent. The following morning, I um, received hundreds of text messages from my colleagues at the Goldman School, sending me their warmest regards, their kindest apologies for the experience that I had to go through. And this is exactly why when I'm standing in front of you today, I'm, I'm very, very honored because I'm rep- representing the best group of people in the world, my colleagues at the MPP program. I started my journey two years ago with a room full of strangers. In two months, I'm graduating with a coalition of passionate young leaders and my best friends. These are people who remind me that America is, in fact, still a land of opportunities, uh, of, insp- of inspiration, and, of, and still embraces diversity, uh, immigrants and international students like myself in a Trump era. And that's extremely empowering for me as I go forward. So, 
quite honestly, I never imagined I was going to be coming to the U.S. to get an advanced degree or even studying public policy. I come from Bangladesh, and that is a country where only, 35, only 34 percent of the formal workforce is occupied by women. We have leaders in, uh, in office, our prime minister, the leader of the opposition, the head of the parliament. But in spite of that legacy, less than 21 percent of women are actually in public service. And that's disheartening because in my country, politics and women don't really mix. So the question that I get asked a lot is, why did I choose public policy? What, what happened to me? You know, something must have bad really happened that I came here. Uh, and, you know, to understand that, it's important to understand the family that I came from. So I was born to middle-class parents in suburban Bangladesh. Well, we had very humble means, but in spite of all of that, the value that I was taught from early on was the idea of equal opportunity irrespective of race, gender, religion, or wherever you came from. And that's what stayed with me wherever and whatever I did in life moving forward. That, that ideology is what, what is, that drives me. And not only in my fight for my rights as a Muslim woman of color, but also as I continue to fight and strive for people anywhere in the world who are, who are being discriminated against because of who they are. Um, and it's this particular ideology that led me to start my own social enterprise when I was 14 years old. Um, it it's a platform that allows young people to explore their ideas and develop community interventions using education and technology. Despite the fact that we mentored over 1.2 million young people in less than nine years, I was constantly being called out for being a woman in a position of influence. Uh, I was called study, bossy, terrible, awful, many different things, because I chose to be the youngest female CEO in my country as opposed to staying at home and doing nothing, which is what is expected from women. Um, and this particular notion that women should not be in positions of influence or positions of power is more prevalent in our public sector because you just can't have them there. And that's kind of why I never really wanted to be in public service because I thought that's not a place for me until I was called to be on the committee uh, for our national youth policy. Uh, and somebody said, you know, you should work with young people, why don't you come and uh, help us out with this? When I got there, I was shocked how corrupt our system has become in the hands of very few politicians. It's not everybody, it's just a few of them. And I believe that there should be more good people working in this place. And that's kind of what drove me to pursue uh, public policy. I believe that if you want to become a policymaker, you have to go and learn how to make policies. So very naively, I applied to a bunch of policy schools, and I uh, came to Goldman because I just heard people here are really nice, and that was enough for me. That's good enough. Uh, and that's true. That's the best thing about it. So um, I came here, and I realized that everything that I thought about public policy my whole life is completely wrong. Uh, it's... I, at Goldman, I learned that policy is, is not just about politics, it's about a very rigorous process, a very analytical process. I learned about the finer threads that hold our policies together. I learned about the exercises that go behind designing effective policies. But most importantly, what I really learned is that the most rigorous exercises in policies can actually separate politics from policy. And that's something that's really important for me, because I, I always used to think you have to you have to be in a certain party, you have to be in a certain political alignment to do good policy work. But I realize that's not necessarily true. It's important, but you can also, be, you can also contribute beyond that. And that's the kind of rigor that I carry with me moving forward. So in addition to the rigor of the program itself, 
Goldman is also a school that has taught me to be incredibly reflective. It is a school where we step back and ask ourselves why we do what we do. It is a place where we learn to ask questions, where we probe more into the problem, where we don't jump to give a solution or an answer, because that's what you're expected to do when we don't do that. And that really puts forward all these alternatives and this set of criterion with which you can evaluate the work that you're doing. And I think this particular analytical framework, or you know, Gene Bardak's Eightfold Path, is something extremely powerful. I come from that business entrepreneurial background, and in that particular space, it's very hard for us to find common ground with governments. But uh, when problems are being assessed and alternatives are being sort of evaluated upon, this particular notion of teaching, this approach to a policy analysis, it's what is what makes Goldman very unique. It's what sets us apart, because that's what gives us an opportunity to work with different stakeholders and for us to be connected, and for public and private sectors to build bridges across. And that is the key learning that I take with me as I graduate from the Goldman School. So in hindsight, um, I'm still asked, why did you choose public policy? You know, why public policy? It's not that sexy at all, because you know, you're in Berkeley. The sexier option is to open a startup. You become Mark Zuckerberg, become a billionaire. Public policy will not make you a billionaire. Uh, but, or um, you know, become an engineer, because STEM is also an exciting field. And I always tell them that public policy is the only thing that makes sense. It's what makes sense when, we, when all the businesses go bankrupt and we hit a recession. It's what matters when we have unlikely leaders in positions of power and somebody, and somebody needs to step back and fight the good fight. Somebody needs to represent the interests of the most vulnerable populations. And that's why public policy makes sense. It's the only thing, in my opinion, that makes sense right now. So, I'm very excited to graduate because I believe I'm graduating from the best program, uh, from the, with the best degree, and from the best place I can possibly be. And when I move forward in life, in my career, um, I'm excited about all the experiences that I've gathered through this program. I've worked at the, uh, at, in cutting-edge cutting edge research with amazing faculty from public policy, political science, school of information. I've worked with, uh, on research on cybersecurity, uh, computational social science. I found that my niche is computational social science, where we can use cutting-edge data from satellite images, for example, to design anti-poverty policies. That's amazing, like, you know, to take policy to that particular level. At Goldman, I was able to avail wonderful opportunities, where I was able to work uh, in, with the World Bank in Washington, D.C. last year, and I was awarded the USAID Global Development Fellowship to work in South Africa and help the government there implement an impact evaluation. It's these kind of opportunities that are brought together by Goldman faculty and by the amazing career center here because they really believe in their students, and that's what sets Goldman apart and makes them good people, which is what matters. So as I move forward in my life with all these wonderful experiences, these lessons, these learnings, uh, I can fondly reflect back and on my time at Goldman because this is a place where I not only learned to have a toolbox at my disposal to do a rigorous policy work, but also it's a place where I learned to question myself, question my intentions, and constantly reflect before I go and jump to give answers. But most importantly, this is a place where I met people who make me feel every day that I'm no longer alone in this journey. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.